Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And tonight we have a very interesting show. It's going to be about how to make a decision about which hashkachas you should rely upon. And I have some very interesting information to share with you. Some of it just came about in the last couple of days. So I think that's uh, reason enough to pay attention to the topic at hand. But before we get started, I want to mention something from last week. Because last week at the end of the show, uh, somebody... Uh, challenged me and asked a question. We was, somebody was, had called earlier and he was talking about uh, w- why it's important to use certain products that have what they call a Hamish Hashkocha or something, the high-end high Hashkocha, if there is really high-end, but let's say there is. And uh, then the other gentleman called and he said, you know, if, if I want to use something that is Tchal Stam, Pas Palter, whatever it is, I have a right to do it. And the answer is 100%. So that was a little bit of interesting discussion at the end. And when we left the studio and was going running to Mincha, uh, Nisim pointed out to me something interesting, and I want to mention it. He said, I lost an opportunity over there, so I'm going to take advantage of it right now. He said, there's a reason to take the higher end, to go the high road rather than the low road. Because uh, look at the thing we were talking about, where the, the people were actually nichshol in in using something that was not kosher, because they had assumed that the products in that the company's line are all kosher. Where when you have a Hamish product with a Hamish name, all of their products are always only kosher. It's not an issue. You can have a part of a dairy issue, but you can't have a anything else because they're because they're really on top of it. Whereas with some some co- uh, companies, they have non kosher items which don't necessarily come into your store in your neighborhood, and you could be in another neighborhood and pick something up and not realize that it's not kosher. So that's definitely an additional reason for people to consider buying what we call uh, a Hamish product, at least the uh, you know uh, a, a, re- a respected. Uh, company line and something that everybody knows is kosher. I mean, years ago there were many companies that kept a kosher profile throughout, and then suddenly one of their products or, or a number of their products switched. And and just to give an example of something that happened recently, the Arnold's breads, where people were using that very very much across America, they were relying on that very very much for their. Uh, for their, for having uh, kosher bread, and uh, there was uh, all of the Arnold's breads were parva, and now the company that makes that Arnold's bread is Bimbo. They decided they're going to make the, their breads dairy, so they're switching them over to dairy. So the OU has to drop off because the OU can't give hashkocha to a bread that's dairy because you're not allowed to have a bread, dairy bread. So therefore, they can't put the hashkocha on it. So the, but the ones that are parva, they'll remain OU parva, but not the ones that are dairy. They won't have any hashkocha whatsoever, and they shouldn't be used. So that's a company decision, and, uh, and a lot of people are going to get caught with that one. And there's the number of those go on over the years where they switch something right under your nose, and people aren't always up on up to date on each thing that's happening in the stores. And that's sometimes they, they call me up. They found uh, a, a product that's dairy and parva or trafe and kosher right next to each other, the same sounding name. I said, sure, it it's the same sounding name because the company could be making it in two different plants. One is certified, and one is not kosher certified. 
And uh, we had the situation last week we mentioned, I believe, about the Coke, that the Coke from Mexico it doesn't have a proper, there's no certification. And according to the OU, it should not be used. There are other countries which are acceptable, even with no ashkacha on it, or that we know that it has ashkacha, or we know that about the product. But the one from Mexico is definitely not accepted. And that's the OU's position. So I think um, people have to really start thinking about being safe in what they're shopping for. Now, that, without further ado, I'm going to begin today's topic which I think is really very interesting, and uh, it, 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 it's close to my heart, and I think everybody needs to have a little bit of thought on the matter. I'm going to start with uh, something that's 20 years old or more. I don't even know how old. My listeners should probably be able to know, and if somebody wants to tell us, you can straighten us out with the exact dates on this. I don't remember anymore. But many years ago, Hakale started here in Flatbush. They, they meet in the, the, the Agud on Avenue L. And that program, Hakale, the first speaker was, was supposed to be me. But the, he decided to have Rabbi Ephraim Waxman come a little bit before me. In other words, I was speaking that night. And uh, then they decided they want to put Rabbi Fe- I'm Waxman on also. So he spoke for a little while before I went on. And I, was, I talked that night for maybe an hour and a half or more. I don't even remember how, how long it was. It was just a very, very long program. Because I, I foolishly decided that I, I, a crazy idea that we're going to tell everybody which Hashgachas you can rely upon. So I had my magazine with all the kosher symbols. In those days, maybe it was three, four hundred. I don't even know which year it was. So it's something in the hundreds, not, not, not gigantic. Like today, it's 1,371, 244-page book. It's a, that's, it's a real thing to, <laughs> to go through it and to explain it to people. Uh, so I decided we're going to explain what makes a kashvas organization. And I gave a whole background on that. And then we, we, I had given out to everybody there a copy of the uh, Kosher Supervision Guide with all the Hashkachas that I knew of at that time in the hundreds. And we went through page by page, and I pointed out which ones were reliable. I didn't say the other ones are not reliable. I didn't say anything negative about anybody. I only mentioned that these I personally knew enough about to be able to recommend to the people who were there. And they were circling in their books and it was really very interesting, and everyone went home very charged up, and they were happy for it and appreciated it. And then about a few days later, I don't think it was a full week, one of the conscious agencies that I had recommended, I found out some negative things about them. Now, they weren't criminals, and they're not, uh, they weren't, you know, they. I don't know if they had to be, <laughs> lowered than this. Uh, maybe they should have been skipped and not mentioned. Maybe they could have been mentioned. I don't know. It was, it was a gray area. But I said to myself, oh boy, less than a week <laughs> and here we go. But it wasn't something that I had to make a, a big announcement about or feel nervous about. Just that I felt a little bit uh, how, how, how def- delicate this whole topic is about which hashkochas you could rely upon. So that, we had tapes from that and I, it, it was a big hit, and people were able to start thinking about what's in my circle of recommended hoshkochos and what's going to be outside my circle of recommended hoshkochos. It's a challenge, 
No question. It's an ongoing challenge. As we see right now, I'm mentioning that, uh, you know, I also became aware only in a few days later. So this goes back a couple of months now. There's one hashkocha that I told everybody that this hashkocha, it's one rabbi, he's, you can rely on him, the eyes closed, don't worry about it. And that's how I felt very, very, very many years already. And then some things happened, two things happened that raised my concern level. And I'm going to share them with you, but you have to understand I'm no Badover, and I have my own perspective because I was involved in it, and it's not something that I can remove myself from. So the first one was that there's a, a woman who had bought something in our neighborhood, and uh, there was a, uh, a question about uh, the status. And I went to this rabbi, and uh, he said, oh, really? So he sent a mashkiach down to pick up the product and to examine it. So he took the product, and he examined it, and he never got back to her, never got back to me. Fortunately, I was able to find out a different way the status of the product, and uh, you know, I, I, I was, it upset me that he never got back to us. But, you know, things are things. At the same time, I had a different problem, and that was that I had gone to a chasana. The chasana was uh, in the summer, and at the chasana, they served strawberries, but not just a, a strawberry on top of a thing of a jiggle, uh, a whole thing of strawberries. You just pick them up and put them into whatever you want, and, uh, you know, they're different berries and different fruits, etc. And I, I didn't have any, but I know this rabbi is very reliable, and I had been staying away from strawberries, and I said to myself, he must have a story here. I have to find out when I get a chance to talk to him. I want to find out what, you know, what he does. There must be something. I mean, is that a mashkichim there? I saw, I saw one of the mashkichim, and there were a couple of mashkichim in the building, and I am sure that they know what was going on. But I didn't bother them. I said, I'm going to speak to the rabbi when I get a chance, but it wasn't something that bothered me. And then, somehow, I don't know if it was this case, I don't think it was this case of this woman, I think it was another situation, whatever it is. I came to the rabbi, and I said, you know, uh, we're talking now, let me share with you about my feelings about this particular situation. I wanted to know what the story is with the strawberries. He says, strawberries? I don't allow strawberries at my affairs. Well, I said, but they were, it was there. He said, what the day was it? So I had to go back and find out the invitation. It was a little bit of a research topic. And time went by. So now a few months passed since the chasana and since he had, you know, I had first come to him. And a good few months had passed. But the question is a real question. He wanted to know the chasana date so he would be able to check up his list of mashkichem to see who was there. So he did, and he checked up his list of mashkichim for that date, and they said there was no there were no strawberries there. I mean, you understand we're talking about months later on. Now I know what a strawberry looks like. It doesn't look like a blueberry. It doesn't look like a watermelon. It's a strawberry. You know, it's quite clear what a strawberry looks like. And I was not one of them. It's a whole thing of them, a whole display, and you just pick as many as you want. So. I said to him, I saw them. He said, I believe my mashkichem. I said, but I saw them. If you want, we can have a conference 
on the phone, whatever, in person, whatever you want, I'll, I'll talk to the mashkiach and, and, and you together, and you'll be able to see whatever the story is. No, I trust my mashkiachim. And that was the end of it. He refused to listen to me. Now, I, of course, am no gabadava because I'm a person, and I like to have everybody agree with me, which is, you know, human. And I have gone to many cautious agencies over the years with issues, and usually, I mean, I would say 99% of the time, they accept everything I say because I'm a professional, and, and I kind of approach in a professional way, and I, I uh, don't say something that I don't know. And uh, people know me after 37 years in this business. People understand what I'm saying. But he refused to listen to me. And I, I was very upset by that. I questioned it, and I still told him, I, I have very great difficulty continuing to accept your hashkocha based upon these two incidents. One where you seem to be completely forgetting about this woman's problem, and uh, you actually send a mashkiach to pick up the, the product. And here, where I'm telling you that uh, there's a problem, and you know who I am, you know me for a number of years, and you refuse to accept that I saw what I saw. I just found this to be absolutely impossible. And so this was something that, uh, you know, opened my eyes about this particular hashkacha. And, and I see that, uh, you know, you could be used to a certain standard and expect the person is working on a, an honest way, open way, uh, looking at a situation to always improve and to always be responsible and responsive and to, to be mechabed people when they come to him with issues. And here we see that that wasn't the case in here. So this is something that you know, I, my eyes were opened up about it, whether it's, it's something that is significant. I say maybe my listeners would disagree with it. I don't know. But in my mind, after speaking to him and making myself very, very, very clear, and telling him my problems with what his hashkocha at this point, and he and never he's never accepting that I saw what I saw, and, and a, I think it's a problem. I think it, that uh, hashkochas in general have to believe the people who are coming to them, especially uh, you know somebody who's uh, in, involved in the field in the way I am. Okay, so that's the that, that's an example of something that have to be you know rethought. So let me give you another thing that came up this also very recently, was that there's a certain cashless agency who I decided was an acceptable hashkocha, and uh, based upon, not myself, but based upon people in the industry whom I know, and I've spoken to, and, and, I've, and, 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 we, and, and we share information, and now this, this hashkocha is with my so-called accepted group. I mean, not necessarily the top of the line, but definitely, you know, in the game. And then I discovered something that was problematic. And I want to share a little bit with you. I can't share the whole thing, but I'll share a little bit with you. There are hashkachas that have uh, everybody, if the owner is not a Shomer Shabbos, every hashkacha will say, we have to have the keys to the refrigerator, the freezer, to the, to the, the building, to the kitchen. That we, some kind of keys you have to have. And in some cases... I mean, even if he's a Shomer Shabbos, some people would only have the keys and wouldn't allow him to have the keys at all. The OU is very strict about that. Other agencies may be a little more liberal about it with the Shomer Shabbos owner. But if the owner is not a Shomer Shabbos, then the, 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 the uh, accepted uh, approach is that we have to have the keys. He cannot 
be able to go into his kitchen and do things in there without uh, without me, because I need to make sure that everything is or is in, in order that goes into the products. So that's basically the accepted uh, position. But what I discovered here in this particular case is that there's a much more liberal approach, that we can't secure the entire building. We secure the freezers, maybe the refrigerators, and that's it, which means that product could come in and out of that building into the kitchen also, a kitchen area, but just couldn't get in and out of the refrigerator or the freezer. But the rest of the building, including the kitchen, was open to, to uh, whoever was there. Now, I don't know if they, well, if they lock up the cabinets with the, uh, w- with the dishes. That I don't know. Because the, the, one of the Akashas organizations told me that they discovered that a hashkacha that they had, a caterer, he took the dishes uh, from the kosher, kosher dishes that under their hashkacha, from, from all the affairs they do there, and he took them and had a barbecue on Shabbos. And uh, obviously wasn't kosher, and he, uh, he's not kosher, and he's not Shabbos observant. And uh, he used to say, these kalim and put them back in. And when they discovered this, they decided you have to lock up the, the silverware, and you have to lock up the dishes. Everything has to be locked up, because he's not a Shomer Shabbos. And, and even if it were Shomer Shabbos, maybe he has to be locked up. But certainly if he's not a Shomer Shabbos. So here you have a, a lower standard. And I was talking to people in the industry about it, and they explained to me that there's different approaches. Some of these caterers, some of these uh, businesses will allow, the hashkachas, they're small, they're small towns or whatever it is, small vod or a small this, and they, they don't have the power to uh, tell the uh, owner that he has to lock everything up and he can't have his own keys, but they try to control the the, ba- the most dangerous things, like the meats, maybe the fish, but certainly the meats. Uh, but the other other foods, and maybe the maybe the kalim, the the dishes and the silverware and the pots, maybe they don't secure them. So that's a. It opened my eyes that we're dealing with uh, we're talking about kosher. We're talking many, many, many levels. That's just a little background, and I'm going to give you um, some insights from other people in just a minute. But first, let me just say a word about our sponsor, which is uh, Glotmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. When I think of Glotmart, I think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. And at Glotmart, you can save time by pulling into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance, and there's a parking area available to you. Yeah, so you'll be able to pick up the put those special items that you purchased in the store and save yourself some time and trouble. Some of the items that are on sale right now at Glotmart are square cut roast, eleven ninety-nine a pound, or family pack minute steak, eleven ninety-nine a pound. And Lahavdil, Klein's cookies and ice cream, the ice cream cone six pack, five ninety-nine. Galil corn or rice cakes. This is uh a good item. I, I use it myself. Uh, 89 cents, which is a very good price. Hadar egg noodles, 12 ounce, 99 cents. Tuf Tom olive spread, two for five dollars. And starting, um, by the way, they have many peppers at 199. 
and starting on Wednesday, you can get fruit or cocoa pebbles, 15 ounce for $2.99. Lieber's honey wheat pretzels, 9.5 ounce, $1.39. Nair mitzvah tin yortzite candles, four for a dollar. Lundberg white basmati rice, two pounds for $2.99. Those are some of the items. I think we have uh, the meat items somewhere lost in my pile here. I probably won't find that. Some meat items that came in also. Can't find it now. So at uh, and the Gladmart, the quality of meats is A1. With kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatikashvis of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats, and with expert Nikor, with, uh, you're getting quality kosher at Glotmart. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M. Meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart on Kashrus on the Air over J Root Radio. Now let me give you some uh, tips and ideas. Oh, I see the other items that were sale. Uh, yeah, the last, uh, they had two more items here. For $11.99 a pound, you can get first cut brisket starting on Wednesday. And top of the rib, $9.99. And shoulder London broil, $9.99 a pound. So back to uh, our, our topic tonight, which is how to decide and what to do about the different cautious agencies. It's a, a, a bit of a problem. And before I even mention it and give you some of the ideas about what we should do about the cautious agencies, here's something that I just saw the other day, and I think you'll find it very important. Somebody uh, put up on the web, they put up about camps. Many people don't think about the fact that their children go to camps. Camps are not like yeshivas. Yeshivas are all run by organizations, usually a important rabbinic super backing uh, or it's an organization it's not a, it's not one man owned and you know that uh, effort at groups of people and parent organizations there is a little oversight so maybe nobody knows really what's going on in the kitchen but you do know that people are taking everything pretty seriously in the yeshiva yes it should have proper Control there and look good to look into your yeshivas. But camps, <laughs> camps are just businesses, and very often they're not run by yeshivas. They're just for for-profit businesses, and very important to find out what is actually done in camps. Some camps do fantastically, that's for sure. I mean, this is the old uh, camp of Gouda under Rabbi Belsky, top of the line, and I'm sure it's done well today. Just saying that you you have excellent camps. I'm not. I'm not denying that. But on the other hand, you should know what you have in your camp. So I'm going to read off these few ideas that were put down, and it's just the beginning of the whole topic. But these are things you'd want to know. Are there written policies for the acceptable hashkakas at camp? Get a copy if they have it. Who's in charge at camp in Kashrus? Who sets the standards? Who do they ask for Shilas? Are they, are they using exclusively pre-checked vegetables? Not really pre-checked, but you know what I mean, the ones in the bags that come with hashkachas on it. Or do they rely on somebody checking it? How is he trained? Is he really know what he's doing? I just spoke to a mashkir the other day, and, and he was telling me that uh, he doesn't check the vegetables. He just washes them very thoroughly. So it's very nice, but uh, I don't know if it's good enough. And what about the, um, the the fruits? Some of these fruits, the the berries that we talk about. What's their position? 
I mean, it, it doesn't mean to say you got to make your college crazy, but you do want to know what's going on, and you have to make the decision yourself about telling them if there's anything that they have to be careful about. And the Bishri Yisrael issue is that they have convection ovens. Convection ovens go off and then go on again. If a non-Jew puts it or takes it off and puts it on again, then it's called Bishal Akum. Is a Shomer Shabbos present in the kitchen at all times? Very important. Is Yoshin Chal of Yisrael, Pas Yisrael being strictly observed? Um, who's responsible to take off the challah? Who's responsible to check the deliveries? Is there a properly trained mashgiach in the kitchen at all times? Well, I think that's re- more repetitive. Is the kitchen locked at night, Friday afternoons, etc., when who just has the keys, what we just talked about before? What about the separation of dairy, meat, and parva, and including the sinks? These are some ideas. Um, how do they mark their, their pots and pans for milkers and flasheks and their silverware? And these are the kinds of questions that you might want to ask. It's a lot, but uh, once you start asking, usually you get a feel for who we're talking to. If we're talking to somebody that's really got the answers on their fingertips and the satisfactory answers, it isn't that you asked every question that's important. It's the feel that you get when you're talking to somebody who's on the same page. That's really what we're looking for. So now let's go on to talk a little bit about what it means to go to look for a certification, uh, to rely upon. Let me give you a piece from Rabbi Sholom Fishbane. This is on their website, the CRC, Chicago Rabbinical Council. He has Understanding the Reliability of Kashrus Agencies. So let me read to you a couple of choice points. He, des- he describes three different groups. There's a certain group that is recommended, and a certain group that's considered not recommended. Don't use them. And there's a third group in between of different cashless agencies that he calls detail agency, which means that it depends upon the details. Some cases you'll accept them, and some cases you won't. It depends upon the kind of thing that is being certified. Is it a challenging one? Is it something that uh, you know, is, is, needs more supervision? There thing, you know, maybe, you, maybe you don't know what that means, but people in the industry know. So in fact, R- Rabbi Fishbane has on his website, the CRC, it's called crcweb.org. crcweb.org, that's their website. And they have over there a list of what they call other agencies. And the list of other agencies are uh, are those agencies that they think that the people should be able to rely upon as, as responsible organizations, as recommended agencies, even though they don't put that word on it. They just call them other agencies. But they mean those are recommended. And to get on that list, you have to go through a lot of work and investigation before they'll put you up on that list. And every once in a while, they're changing that list, putting some on and taking some off. And that's what we have to remember. It isn't, it's a fluid, kosher is a, kosher is a fluid situation. We have to check up periodically on what we are relying upon. We have to rethink. We can't get st- stuck on our ways and say, he's always been good, I'm sure he's good, and there can't be anything wrong with him. No. We have to say, we have to give it an honest look and decide whether we feel confidence going forward. Or we don't. 
And how we decide that, we're going to get a little more into it. So he describes in this article, Understanding the Reliability of Kosher Agencies, he describes how you would understand what these three groups are. What would mean that the person was in the recommender list or or in the not recommender list? So let me give you a little bit of an idea. He said, a recommended kosher agency must keep up to date on the modern and constantly changing manufacturing techniques. They must be in constant contact with industry professionals, from food scientists to engineers. They have to be willing to travel across the world to see what the products are all about. And this, by the way, some of the Hamish organizations, they do the same thing. They'll, not just the big organizations, they'll send people all over the world. I mean, the, the customer has to pay, the client has to pay for it, but they'll send people all over the world for you. And they'll check everything out to the beginning of, uh, how, of all the ingredients. Um, then it's sometimes it's, it's sufficient for the rabbi to have a, uh, an, an, an unannounced visit cycle. But there are some products that need some, and somebody there full-time, an on-site rabbi, be do the, to, to make sure, for example, uh, pesel production, or were they doing a non-dairy product in a dairy plant, or something like that. You have to have somebody there to observe. Now, in the recommended group of cautious agencies, there, there are many formulas and ingredients, and currently it's a mandatory, it's mandatory for the cautious agencies to be, have customized software and somebody assigned to know and to use regarding ingredients and formulas. And the big cautious agencies share w- w- information about their products with the other big cautious organizations. You and I can't get into that database, but that database was created as a beautiful thing where they share the information so that if a, an ingredient is a problem in one, the others can pick it up. And if, and if an ingredient isn't acceptable to, to, to everybody, you'll be able to find that out. You know, And so you... You, you can really do a lot of work, but you have to have the technical knowledge and the people assigned for that particular work. That's what we call a recommended cautious agency. Now, in the non-recommended cautious agency, you can imagine what makes non-recommended. It means that they're not doing everything. They're very often they're not following the Shulchan Aruch. They allow carmine, gelatin, who knows what they allow, bittel, sometimes they allow something to be a small amount of something in there, they rely on telephone supervision, they're just doing, they're making some calls, etc. You, you you, we, we get the feeling of what's not, not good. Now, whether detailed cautious agencies, the ones that we're not sure about, obviously anything that's missing from the regular recommended list puts them in the in-between area. So, for example, I'll give us one story that's told over here by Rabbi Fishbane. A rabbi from the CRC visited a plant where there's a health drink, and they produce it, and it's sold to kosher-observing grocery stores throughout the U.S. The supervising agent, not from the CRC, assumed that the health drink was produced in a machine that was previously cleaned and properly kosherized. What happened was that the temperature was good, there was enough of a a temperature there, and the previous use was for non-kosher broth, so it really was trafe. The record seemed to be good. The only thing is that the CRC rabbi caught it, and the other rabbi didn't catch it, and that was that only parts of the machine were koshered. Not all of it was being koshered, and therefore it was still a problem, and had been that way for many years. And then, of course, they had to make an adjustment, 
and they had to change, you know, clean the whole machinery properly, and they had to make a whole different change. And this is something that the other rabbi didn't catch. He didn't know enough about the equipment to grasp it and to see it right away. So that gives you an idea. The problem, of course, is for us to decide how to, do, how to, how to go how to go with the uh, how to go, how to that we, a problem for us is how to decide what fits into where. Now I'm going to give you uh, another thought on this topic that came from another publication, which is from the OU, a good friend of mine, Rabbi Yaakov Luban, somebody that uh, I spent many summers with. And Rabbi Yaakov Luban really wrote this many, many, many years ago. But it was published again a few years ago, so I feel I can read a few words from it. He tells a story. Um, there was a, there was a, a K on a company called Charlie's Breadcrumbs. This is not the real product. Charlie's Breadcrumbs. So, okay, so he started investigating, and he found it was a rabbi, Shlomo Greenberg, who was giving the, the hashkocha. This is, no, this is all fictitious. Do you know Rabbi Shlomo Greenberg? And how re reliable is his supervision, I asked. Why, Rabbi Greenberg was very reliable when he was alive. He died five years ago. Some were perturbed that a deceased rabbi was still certifying the product. I called back Mr. Johnson from the company. How can Rabbi Shlomo Greenberg supervise your breadcrumbs if he died five years ago, I asked. A long, pregnant pause followed. No wonder I haven't seen her around for so long. This is not a, this is humorous, but unfortunately, I saw this up close, where dead rabbis were on products for years and years after they died. It's, it's, it was a very common practice when I maybe thirty years ago that, that this was going on. There's another uh, problem. He say he, this. I like this. This is Rabbi Luban says. There's another inherent weakness of putting a K symbol on. Why would a company use a generic K on the label, rather than one of the 1,063 kosher logos that are printed in 2011's issue of Kashrus magazine? Can you imagine how many? How far we've gone now? We have 1371. In those days, I had 1063. So that's one of the he questions. Why do they put a K on and not put on a, a, a symbol if, if obviously everybody else is doing symbols? So now Rabbi Luban tells you a little bit about what could go wrong. Many people believe that all the rabbis who provide supervision can be presumed to be equally reliable. This great leap of faith is not rooted in reality, nor it is a reasonable assumption to make. We would not entrust our physical well-being to any surgeon who is licensed to perform operations. Why should we entrust our spiritual health to every practitioner of kosher supervision? So this, this is what happens, that people have the idea that, you know, well, let's let him burn. That's basically what, what's going on. There was an interesting story he told over here, and I think this is a, a, a classic, about a mashkiach coming, and he saw that there were pies being sold and that the, the pies were not the, same, not the same form as the pie tins that were in there being used. So how can the bakery put out tins, I mean put out pies without the tins for it? So 
he challenged the owner. The, unfazed by the accusation, the baker explained that just that day, they threw out all the round, old round pans after baking the last batch of pies. So we definitely had round pans. These days, they only had square ones. Undaunted, the rabbi came back to the bakery the next day and found shiny new round pie pans on the shelf, which were perfectly matched the size of the pies that the store was selling. However, the rabbi was still suspicious, and he took, and he thought maybe they're trying to pull the wool over his eyes. He inspected the bottom of the pans and the bottom of the pies. In the bottom of the pies, he saw that the engraving was not the same engraving as on the new pans. So he realized that they were fooling, were fooling him, and uh, that was one of the catch, the, the, one of the situations that was caught. Obviously, you have to be on a certain level to catch all these things, and we're not going to be able today to go through it all, although I have more material here, which we'll read in a minute. If anyone would like to call now to discuss this topic or any other Kashrus topic, you can meet us at 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858, or you could text us at 347-927-8398. Uh, it says the microphone for the app. Okay, you took care. Um, so you want to know who do we rely upon. So th the only way I understand it is as follows. You have to develop who you are. This is what I teach. Uh, if you find another way, but this is what I teach. Everybody has to decide who he is. You might be, if you want to be one of those people who eats nothing and you have a cow in the backyard and you're going to make your own, have your milk and your cheese yourself and you're going to do, your know, wife is going to start with flour or maybe you're going to start with the grain and grind it into flour like for, for, for matzah and you're going to do all year like that. Okay, if you're going to do that and you're going to have a garden in the back, et cetera, et cetera, fine. But if not, you have to rely on somebody. So there is a way of finding who the best are. There is a best, and really, a little effort, and you'll find out. Somebody came to me the other day, and he wanted to know about the refrigerators. I sent out material about the refrigerators. We did it here on the show, and, I, and, and the problems of Shabbos. And I, and I told him, you're going to have to talk to a few people. You're going to have to get a feel of what is the best to do. And that's what it is here, too. You look in your cabinet, see what you have there. Say to yourself, what's the best hashkara I have here? doesn't matter which one it is, but I don't care what you pick. It's your decision about your life, but how you see these things. And say, I feel confidence in this company. Then call that cautious agency and ask them about products that have a different hashkara, and you'll be able to get a little information from them. They don't want to stay on the phone all day, but a little bit they'll answer you. If they avoid you, they'll... You'll be able to wiggle it out. I could tell you another time how to wiggle it out. And then call that Hashkocha back again. Try to get the person's name. Let them know your name. And now you have somebody working for you in Kashrus. The other alternative is to go to your rabbi. Presumably, you have the same Hashkocha as your rabbi. Maybe he's a bigot tzaddik. Maybe you're a bigot tzaddik. But certainly, you're in the same league, I hope. That's why you're davening over there. And if you think he's a Hashem person, even better. He, he doesn't have to know Kashrus. 
He just has to have Yerashamayim, and he will find the answers. He will help you find the answers. So those are the two methods you could use. Either you take a, a hashkoko that you rely upon and you use that and create concentric circles. If they are recommending consistently a certain hashkoko, let's say, for example, you like the CRC in Chicago. So all the things on their website that they have there, the 150, 200 hashkokos, you can just utilize all of them. That's like a concentric circle. Now you've expanded to that to the accepted list. If you want to start with somebody else, you want to take, for example, the Badatza, the Eidach Haredis, you have to be able to speak Hebrew and, and, have, and get, to, get some connection with them. But if, if you, uh, you know, there, there are people in this country who are doing a very good job. I just don't want to start singling out people. But once you have that person or people or that organization or that rabbi, they will help you to do more. And, and anybody who is sincere, people help them. I know it sounds a little bit much, but it isn't. And I'll tell you a secret that I've said many times. The secret is that very few people listen to what I just said. Very few people actually bother the cautious agencies. If they were bothered all day, they would call up and threaten me and tell me, don't ever say that again. <laughs> but they don't do that, and they don't do it because nobody listens to me. A couple people occasionally, and that's it. You could be one of those people, and you have your problem solved for life. You've got a hush of a rabbi sitting somewhere, answering your questions, looking everything up for you. You know, I can't get into it because I don't know who you are, and, and I don't have the time for it at all, and I don't have a staff for it. But you, but you can get a rabbi in the Kashrus Agency or your own rav to answer your questions or to investigate. But once you have something that they, you learned, this is a reliable rabbi, this is a reliable group, you've widened your circle. You don't have to always bother the same people. Now you can go further. Okay, any callers? No, okay, but if you want to reach us, it's 718-683-5858. So we have some people who texted in. What's the status of the symbol K on Kellogg's? We actually discussed that, I believe, last week, but I'll mention it anyway again. K on Kellogg's is interesting because the K on Kellogg's is the KVH. The KVH is a cautious organization in Boston. It's, it's part of the, uh, it's the, it's the kosher division of the Rabbinical Council of New England. In fact, in Cautious Magazine's next issue, there's a whole story about them. We wrote a couple of pages about them, and uh, we, we, we talk about some of the things that they do. And they, one of the things that they do is very interesting. Uh, maybe you'll be able to get it sometime on the air here. They have a, a new method of, ro- of growing vegetables, and they give ashkocha to a few of those. It's a uh, hydroponically grown vegetable, and uh, it, it, from what they're claiming, it's bug-free. And it doesn't have the problems of, of growing something in the soil and trying to uh, keep the bugs away because you can have it in a controlled environment, not, in, not, in a, not outside. And it's uh, much easier to control uh, when there's no uh, earth around. So now somebody asked over here, um, can you help me get this down a little bit? I want to see the video. Okay, about the, this one here. Oh, so the K yeah, so on Kellogg's on the cereals is the KVH from Boston. And basically, uh, I would say that the cereals are very well respected and used. Now, if you, if you want to limit yourself, you can limit yourself to the 
classic ones, the cornflakes, etc., etc. But if you, but the, it all has a good ashkafa. Okay, what did we say here? Um, I lost the. Okay, uh, yeah. Wh- okay, what's is Lay's potato chips considered bishul akum? So Reb Moshe Feinstein has a tshuva where he says that potato chips need bishul Yisrael. Many people hold that it doesn't need bishul Yisrael. Because potato chips, even though they're potatoes, nobody is, is going to say that at, at a fancy affair you're going to serve potato chips. You know, a nice bar mitzvah maybe, but, but uh, no, not, a real, not a real simcha. No one's going to put it out in, at all. So there are those who say, therefore it is not considered to be a thing that needs Bishul Yisrael. That's the position of, of, of many people. But Rav Moshe Feinstein has a tshuva, which is really written to his son, Rav Ruvain, in which he says that there is a Bishal Yisrael concern in cooking, in, in, in French fries, I'm sorry, in uh, 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 potato chips. I must tell you also that, uh, that many people paskin that the, the, the shaili is not about the way that it's presented, but it's on the min, the type of food. Since potato is eaten as part of a meal, and it's eaten by everybody, and it's certainly at the fanciest affairs. So the potato presented, however it's presented, has a shiloh of bishalakum. There's no question that we would like to have bishal Yisrael on something that even is questionable. And if you have a chance, look at the Orach HaShulchan when he, on Bishal Akum, and he goes through all the vegetables. He will, it's amazing, all the vegetables that they have, and he's recommending to get Bishal Yisrael, even though a lot of the vegetables could be uh, you know, not, not, not that exciting. Uh, so, uh, of course, today a lot of us eat them raw, so it's even less of a Shiloh, but he, he feels that m- many of them do need to have Bishal Yisrael. So the answer isn't a question of lays or not, it's a question of whether it needs Bisha Yisrael, and whoever gives Ashkach on it, whether it's the OU or the OK, or somebody, whoever gives Ashkach on it, that's their decision if they feel it needs Bisha Yisrael or it doesn't. If they think it needs Bisha Yisrael, they will put it on. If they don't think it needs Bisha Yisrael, they won't arrange for it. So that's a decision you could make. You can, if you decide what you think you need, then you could always co- contact the cautious agency and ask them. I do know that the Lay's potato chips from Eretz Israel comes out with, I think, with a Hamish Hashkoch, I forgot who it is, and I'm pretty sure that they take care of it there um, to make sure that it's a Bisha Yisrael. Um, I don't see anything else here, so we'll go back to our topics. Unless somebody's calling, you can call us at 718-683-5858. If you, don't, if you want to text us, it's 347-927-8398. Anybody there? Okay. You're on the on the air. Can we help you? Hello? You're on the air. Can we... Yes. Okay. My question is, when I cook fish, do I need to have a separate fish pot, or can I wait 24 hours in between to use? Fish and meat, or fish is what you're referring to, right? Right. Okay. So you don't have to wait. First of all, Rav Hashazim and Zatzal, my Rebbe, taught that you don't, you don't have to wait 24 hours for, for meat to milk either. Please turn that down in the background. I, I took off my sleeve. Yeah, so so uh, he didn't hold from waiting 24 hours. He said you didn't have to wait 24 seconds. That's what he said. So, uh, But if you want to wait between milk and flasix, that's something else. But to, to take it to that for fish, it's really very, it, it's, it, doesn't, it isn't realistic. The only thing that's concerned about fish 
is what we call uh, zaya. Zaya is moisture. It's the vapor in the air. The vapor, even if there is vapor in the oven, it's a question. Ramosha says the question so if there's vapor in the just one second. There's a question of in this, in this, I know it's in a pot, I know it's liquid in there, but the question is what goes up in the air, is that called vapor or is it already a gas? So if it's already a gas, it cannot answer, it can, sorry, cannot make the meat a problem. It, it's only if there's a vapor cycle. Now, vapor cycle could be created if you had fish and meat at the same time in the oven, and they're both on the top and they're near each other and the vapors could go up to the top and then come down to the other one. That would be one way it could happen. But otherwise, you can't have a problem with fish and meat even at the same time. What should you do, though? You shouldn't do them at the same time, or you should have one covered. That's what you should do. But if you did do it without them covered, and they're not near each other on the top, they're not on the top rack, but they're ones down the bow in the back and ones over here, so then they'll all be all right. And uh, uh, that's a, a the only the question would be the question of zaya. So the only two ways fish and meat could be a problem is zaya, not the not the fact of be using the pot. If I could cook fish in a fleshika pot, there's no problem, absolutely no problem. No one says there's a problem in a fish in a fleshika pot, even if it wasn't used five minutes before. So it, the only problem is either mamoshes, real flavor of real f- juices mixing, or what we call zaya, the vapors mixing. Okay? I really enjoy your show. I look forward to Thank it. Thank you very much. I appreciate Bye-bye. it. Okay. Somebody's asking here. I can't answer about hashkocha. I, I don't know if you want to comment on this, but what's the status for Rabbi so-and-so's hashkocha? We can't comment at all. Uh, we can say... Um, you know, we can talk about uh, other topics. We can't talk about individual rabbis. You know, that's the, the Lashon Hara is a very, very dangerous thing, and everybody feels it, it's not really Lashon Hara. You know, I need it, or I want to. People make excuses all day long. You have to work very hard to try to keep Lashon Hara out of your life. And, uh, you know, my business is very, very hard to do. If somebody has a Shiloh, like a Lemaisa, you know, I usually try to answer them, just, just say it's not for you. I don't get into this question of that talk about anybody. And I can't talk about a whole bunch of people. No, definitely not. Um, we're very particular to only... Can't, uh, it doesn't, uh, not, it's not written well, but uh, to, uh, to use a store that has uh, shkocha paper in the store. You know, to show what they call a tuuda. Why is it that so many times I go into the store and the you know, tuuda's kashras is expired? And when I call the shkocha certifying agency, uh, I can't read it here, one sec. You want to just pull it down for me? I'm not able to do it too well. Just pull it down a couple lines. Is that when they're not able, when they're able to, um, they say th- they, they they when I ask them they tell me the store is covered. Why aren't the papers current? This is a universal problem. It happens in Israel too. But in Israel, the people are trained to do what you're doing. Everybody in Israel is trained. The Rabbanut gave out a very interesting rule: you can't have a Xerox copy. It has to be an original copy. And a Xerox copy is not acceptable. 
It has to mention the store name and the store address in the town, and it has to fit perfectly. If you're getting a different town with the same name, if it's in a different section, a different this, that store is not covered. And they're very, very specific about it. So the current, it has to be 100% current, and you're, otherwise you're just supposed to walk out. That's Israel. In America, uh, the whole thing about the certification letter is not taken very seriously. And that's only because we are lax in, in bothering the cashless agencies. It's definitely true that it has to be done. We definitely have to bother them. And what happens is then sometimes when the hashkoch is removed, the cashless agents, the, by the cashless agency, they weren't able to get the thing out of the store. Sometimes the store is uncooperative and keeps the letter of certification up for days and weeks at a time. So it's very important for you to keep on top of what's being, uh, where the hashkoch is dropped, and it's very important for you to read that certification letter. And don't feel it's a waste of time calling the cautious agency to verify, because yes, there are times when you could be easily fooled. Yes. Um, okay. Um, Do you want to yes. comment about this, what's wrong with the, the other store, you know? About stores? No, no. 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 But I, I, want, I just want to mention something. If anybody wants to call in, I, I would love to hear from them. This past Sunday, the fire department had uh, two facilities, one on Avenue P and Kings Highway, and one on Forster Avenue in Kensington, that were open, and they were discussing uh, important issues of fire safety tips. I wasn't able to attend Baruch Hashem. I give a shear at that time, but I was I was very interested in finding out if anybody did go and uh, what they did learn there, because I think it's important for our community. And if, as I suspect, it was a very valuable uh, time, then I think it be, it behooves us to try to request that more of these be done. Because I would not say, I would say made that my, my grandchildren went over there and they enjoyed it very much. So you it's, heard? It's, you got any feedback on it? They, they, my grandchildren were enjoyed it very, very much, and it was a very nice activity, you know. And they teach them, uh, you know, it's like more, 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 more experience, more, more experience for, for children. children yes, yeah, more experience for children. I think the adults need it more than the children. I think the fire issue is something that that people aren't taking seriously enough, and uh, I don't want to go into any details on it now, but I think we all understand that. Everything is niyad Hashem, but uh, we have a definitely a responsibility, and we should be working towards it. So, if you did get there, or you have anything to say about that, I'd love to hear. We only have a couple minutes left. Let me share with you another point or two on the topic that we were discussing. This is from an article that was written in Community Magazine by my good friend Ayezev Narrow, and it was really talking about the KIC, with Rabbi Wiener, which I'm very close with. And uh, they, he raised uh, some interesting points here. He said, aren't all cautious agencies the same? So the answer, of course, is not. You know, we realize that. One could be uh, uh, better than the other. And he described, Rabbi Wiener was describing how you differentiate. A little bit different than Rabbi Fishbane did. He said there's two areas of concern. One is stringency, and one is enforcement. Stringency is the chumras. Like, you might have a hashkocha that tells you, we're makben on Chol Yisrael, Bish Yisrael, Pas Yisrael, we only have Yoshim, we only have this, we only have that. Wow! 
You have all that in your hashkocha. Everything, any chumrah, this one and that sheet, this way. The, there's a second question, enforcement. So it's one thing to say, this is what we do, and it's another thing, the enforcement. So you can have hashkocha that maybe doesn't have all those things, but you know you're getting, as I said, quality kashras. You know you're getting something that's, that is clearly real kashras. Maybe they don't put on the... You know, the, the, the stops and whistles, maybe all the fancy things are not thrown in there, but they're giving you good quality kashras with all the effort, the effort they can put in. So that's what you have to know, and those are the two areas that he thinks we have to address. So without further, without, uh, we don't have more time, so I'm going to have to say, I wish everyone a good week. This is Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashras Magazine. You can meet us at 718 336 8544 to get our the new issue of Kashrus Magazine, the Kosher Travel Guide, or to discuss any issue of Kashrus or suggestions for the for future ish, future topics for future weeks. Thank you very much for listening.